I grew up playing games on the schoolyard like so many of us. And our schoolyard where I grew up in Beach Haven, New Jersey, was a big blacktop, chain link fence, brick schoolhouse, quintessential schoolyard. Little corners where bullies could bully other people. And of course, when you get to play games, the way you do that is you get a group together and then there's two guys or girls, but the two of the best players and they're the captains, right? We self-selected the captains. And this was any game. This was kickball, stickball, baseball, softball, pickleball, whack bat, you name it. It's the same kind of process each time. I said, like, oh, let's play. Okay, so-and-so are the captains and the rest of us line up awkwardly and await our fate. And usually the next uh, best players go first, so the next best guys get picked and they get on a team. And I was usually not in that group. I was not in the first wave or the second wave. It was usually me and the guy with the two broken arms at the end, and we only got to play because they had to include us. But I remember a game once, we were setting up, and maybe it was basketball. I was like, ah, oh, the dreaded line, let's see where I get drafted. And someone stepped in, it was an adult, presumably a dad, and after the captain's were set aside and started to work on this. And dad stepped in. He just started putting people on teams. He's like, yeah, you know what? You're over here. You're over here. You do this. You do that. There was no order. Nobody was picked first and no one was picked last. And this is what this next section of James is about. My childhood trauma on the schoolyard. No, it's about how we pick teams and how we still continue to pick teams versus how our dads would pick teams. This section is about favoritism. And James opens with, uh, believers in Jesus must not show favoritism, partiality, snobbery. And he includes this example. This guy walks in, he's all done up, gold rings, fine clothes, looking good. He gets the attention. And the Greek word for attention here is really these two words, and it's face and receive. It's like, I see it and I receive it. I don't need to know anything else. I like what I see. I accept it. It's acceptance based on appearance. Now, this is old. This is an old text, so I know we would never do that today, but it's acceptance based on appearance. And the next person walks in, and they look a little off. Dirty clothes, looking a little filthy, a little disheveled. They're pushed off to the side. Now, I would say this is obvious to most of us, and we would probably pass this test on the surface. We have some very compassionate people in our community. I've had homeless people preach at our church on a Sunday morning. And some of you are very uncomfortable around homeless people or those who look different than you, and so you might find this message a little more challenging. But for all of us, if we dig in, there are some subtle ways we show favoritism, subtle ways we show partiality. Now for us, gold rings and fine clothes may not translate well. In fact, if a person walked into one of our gathering services with gold rings on their fingers and fine clothes, we might actually prefer the person with the filthy clothes. But fill in the blank, right? Wearing Patagonia, good looking, driving a Land Cruiser, drinking from some cool metal coffee mug. Ooh, I like that person. Because we all have people we're drawn to and we give special attention. People we'd pick for our team first, which isn't necessarily bad. Like, it's not bad on its own, but at the expense of neglecting someone because of how they look isn't love. If we neglect somebody based on, oh, they don't look like they're from around here. They look a little different than me. This breaks the royal law of love. James goes on. He says, Has God not chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? But you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? In this day, 
The rich were very oppressive to the poor. Again, this is the old text, very different now. They would seize properties, manipulate earnings, and cast them aside. And when Jesus walked, and when he talked about the poor, he talked about them very favorably. He talked about the poor and the poor in spirit. He talked about them in high regard. Because the idea is that God chooses to inherit his kingdom, those who need him. Those who live in a state of poverty because I need something, God's like, you're my guys. This is your kingdom now. Jesus sat with needy people all the time. He loves needy people. When it comes to the majesty of God, we are all needy people. We are. If you don't need God, you are less likely to experience the riches of the kingdom. He said, hey, this belongs to the people who, who need me. They recognize their own depravity. They will inherit my kingdom. James goes on, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. He says, no differently than an adulterer or a murderer. He's comparing snobbery to murder and adultery. If you break any part of the royal law, you break the whole thing. And the royal law, I love this, royal law, as kingly law, as passed on from the royal himself, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Now, most of us are cool with loving our neighbor as long as we get to pick the neighborhood. As long as we get to pick the neighborhood, I'm in. But the parable of the neighbor is all about loving someone very unlike you. About loving someone different. The birthmark of the believer is how we love others. It's how you love others. Jesus said, they shall know me by your love for one another. And to make this real practical, people won't feel loved unless they feel liked. People won't feel loved unless they feel liked. If someone doesn't feel liked, how can they feel loved? We all know this is true. We've all felt this or been told this. Because words lose to actions every time. Your words lose to actions every time. If you're not nice, you're not nice. Well, I'm nice on the inside. No, you're not. You're not nice. You're not nice on the inside. You're not nice. Kindness toward others is a fruit of the Spirit that others can taste. Kindness toward others is a fruit of the Spirit that others can taste. When there is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, self-control in your life, others can see it, others can taste it. Verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. That's the law we love. That's the, that's the text from chapter 1. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you hope to receive mercy, give mercy. What we believe determines how we behave. What you believe determines how you behave. If you believe you had nothing and Jesus gave you everything, then you will treat others out of a place of humility. If you believe the royal law is the highest law, then you will lay down your own prejudices, you will lay down your own agenda, and you will follow it. If you believe and you hope to receive mercy over judgment, then you will extend mercy over judgment to others. 
no matter what they look like, what they believe, what they post on Facebook. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for who you are. God, I pray right now for a fresh infusion of your Holy Spirit in our church, Lord. And though we cannot be together, we are together in spirit. And Lord, so I pray for whoever is listening, wherever they are, from whatever car, whatever couch, whatever yard, whatever iPhone, whatever walk you're on, I pray the Spirit would move in your heart. Not a spirit of division, but a spirit of unity. Not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of strength. Lord, we welcome you. We thank you. We love you. In your name, amen. All right, you guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Don't forget your kids. Peace.